to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Ah, it's just another normal week in the life of a Seahawks fan, wasn't it? Um, this season just continues to be absolutely stupid. Sometimes for the good reasons, sometimes for the wrong reasons. I can't quite make up whether this was for the good reason or a bad reason this week. It's it, it's a really weird week. Um, we've given up 45 points to the Detroit Lions, and yet we've still won the game. We've and and we've scored 48 points. I mean, uh, it's just a, a when has that ever happened in in recent years? I can't even remember the last time we put up points like that. Um, this is just a ridiculous game. And we can't wait to talk about it because there's always to talk about it, good and bad. Um, absolutely bonkers week. But when isn't it a bonkers week in the world of us Seahawks fans? Um, and joining us, as always, to talk about this bonkers game. It's the bonkers, 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 bonkers. Blah, I can't get my words out. Positive. Pez, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. You're that excited to speak to me. I'm that excited. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't get my words out there. I stumbled <laughs> over it a few times. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that was chaos, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit silly, wasn't it? Do you know what? I think it's a perfect game. If they could all be like that, it's great because <laughs> most fans don't have expectations for this season. And w- what an amazing game to not have expectations for. Don't get me wrong, you, you, your blood would boil if we ended up throwing that away. But because oh. we never, 48 points. Amazing. Gino Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! We're beginning to look rather. I really, stupid, really we? think we're going to have to try it. Like, if this carries on, we're going to have to send him a personal letter to get his attention to come on the podcast, so we can just spend a whole podcast apologising to him for all our misdemeanors. There's no use because no he's already told he won't write back. He won't. Write, we'll write to him. He won't, he won't write back. But yeah. I, I oh Jesus! We do owe him an apology. Um, Josh, how are you, mate? Yeah, brilliant. Um, I, I, I've never been so happy to be so wrong on a score prediction or a result prediction. It was, uh, even though, as we'll get onto it, it was a god awful showing in defence. Offensively, it was an explosion. 
I will score 48 points. And the last time we played Detroit with our old QB, I'm not mentioning his name because Pez will blow a horn at me, we scored 51. Now, what does that tell you? I think we've got the better quarterback, haven't we? Gino Smith, who thought we'd be saying that after after four weeks? Oh, my goodness. I, I, I don't want to run away. With, I don't want to run away with that. He's been yeah. good. But so James, James, James is buying in, yeah, isn't he? James, I was going to say, James in. has got full buy-in now. Oh, I'm buying in. He's wearing a Metcalf jersey, jersey, but next week I'll be a seven jersey, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, look, I've got my DK Metcalf jersey on Pez, as yeah, you, re- you have. as you requested. Yep. Fresh from DHK. Yep. Yeah, I know, looks I'm a bit dark. Too much chest. <clears throat> I'm showing too much chest, it feels like this should be behind a paywall or something. I don't like this. Um, <laughs> is that a bush you got coming out of? You've got a chest. Well, I've got a chest. It's there. Is that a couple of hairs on, on popping out the top there? He's a real boy. I've been through. Yeah, I've been through some stuff. I've got some hairs on my chest. Man. I've been through some stuff in my <laughs> in my, ex, in my XL youth jersey. Hey, hey! If it saves you forty quid, Pez, you've got to have a perk. This you've one time on my paper round, this dog chased me down the street. All right, we're moving on. Now he's just just taking the right royal piss. Um, Uh, Something else that was taking the right royal piss this weekend was our defence. We're going to be certainly talking about that uh, towards the end of the the podcast. Um, But we're going to start with the offence, as we always do. We'll start with Geno Smith. Then we'll head to our running game and the the nice inclusion. Again, spreading the ball around our receiving options. We're going to get on to Shane Waldron calling a really good game, in my opinion. Um, and, and a lot of people's opinions as well. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in the in, in the social media world. Um, and then we're going to go to our defense, and that is where the podcast is inevitably going to fall apart. Um, but it should be, a, you know, well, the, the, that that good old meme of it, of the house burning around us as we say this is fine. Um, that that that's going to be the second half of this podcast. But we're here for it. Um, or or we could just take the positive Pez approach. Oh yeah. Just t- talk about the negatives without getting too stressed and just find the little tiny positives out of the defence. If I positive eat. Pez can find something positive from that defence this week. Oh, no, no, we, we could all find something positive. And, oh, and... well, right, granted, yes. Yeah, Yeah. all right. Yeah, there's but a certain overall, is it, a his cold name for any regular listeners is Viagra. Viagra. So they know what yep. And it was, being, it was being used this weekend, I'll tell you that. I'd say that, that nickname was well, in full effect. You were using effect. Viagra? No, the, Why were the you nickname, using Viagra? The nickname you? was in full effect. Oh, the right. nickname was in full what, you effect. were just in your living room shouting Viagra? You're your the youngest out of the three of us. What's the yeah. matter here? Yeah. My nana soon left the room. Um, put it that way. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Don't really know why. <laughs> that <got weird. laughs> yeah, so stop asking questions. You don't want the answer It's the North East, isn't it? They're a bit strange. For any American listeners, they're a bit funny up that, that a bit way. weird up there. Absolute slander. We're moving on. <laughs> Gino Smith. Let's start with him. Um... Um, first thing, can we use his proper title after a game like this? Coin flip king? Gino fucking Smith. Oh, gee, oh right. There's, it's come course, back from week one. Of course there's an F word in there when it's Pez. It's, it's Gino effing Smith. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to oh, read it. It's appropriate to use it there. Oh, as, yeah, as, the swear, as the swear police of this pod, I will happily say that pod, pod, pod Pez, you can repeat it on this pod. <laughs> as the granddad of the pod. The granddad. <laughs> yeah, you are the granddad. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Um, before I read his stat line out, I just all I'll say is 
and I never thought I'd be saying this really. Um, I'm so glad Geno Smith was the conservative quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks for this game because if he turned the ball over even once and gave the Detroit Lions the battle, the, the, the edge in the battle of possession, uh, we would have lost that game. So thank you, Mr. Geno Smith, for being the conservative, pretty boring quarterback that you are, but nonetheless effective in that sense. Um, 23 for 30. 320 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Again, um, I, I, we're all we're all being left with egg on our face at, at, at this point, and I, I just I, it's just I don't know what to say about this. It's it's he's 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 playing really well. Um, granted, you know he's limited, and we all know it, but he's he's. He's been, he's doing what he's told. We keep saying it. He's he's running this offense, and it, 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 and it's working. He's not playing hero ball, and and we're starting to move the ball a little bit better now. Granted, 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 this was the Detroit Lions defense, and it's not a very good defense. It's and as as it's seen, it's three points worse than our defense, Pez. Um, but are you, I, I, are you on the Geno Smith hype train no. yet? No, the no. MVP, comeback of the year, comeback player of the year. No, none of that. Yeah. No, because um, even though I've checked the odds of the comeback player of the year and he's not in there, he's not Drew Lock is. Drew Lock is. Well, that doesn't make much sense. But yeah, enough. weird. I don't know what it takes to get yourself winning valid awards for, that. for Riding Pine. Yep. <laughs> um, no, I'm not getting on the hype. Like. What a real, what a really good game by him. But and do you know, do you know my fear for all, all our listeners from the off season and my rants of Geno Smith and me and Josh are quickly just stabbing our own ship so we can sink together, tied to the mast. But if he, if he can do this against a more elite defense with the pressures. I.e. the Saints who who are going to bring competent linebackers are going to bring competent linemen that DK isn't going to be able to sun Lattimore like he did um, Akuda Akuda yeah Jeffrey Akuda like he did with him even with safety help even with everything I don't think he's going to have that much fun against Lattimore like Justin Jefferson had a day the other week so we just don't know but if he can do these things against, like, your Saints defence, uh, the Rams defence, who just bring a hell lot of pressure, mm. and they're elite at it, and you can do it there, then you're going to then you're gonna sit back and you're going to, as bad as it sounds, because he had an amazing game, but you're going to give him his dues against them, because I'm still reserved because that 49ers game. Don't get me wrong. I, I took note of this in my head. I thought, every single rain game this season has been horrendous for some. Like, it's been horrendous. Trevor Lawrence this week fumbled it four times, pissing it down. We need to do need to keep that in mind with the mm. rain against that Niners game. But just you've got to keep in your mind to keep yourself balanced and level. It's fun, instant reaction, get overhyped, but don't start getting carried away with yourselves and then get a horrible comeback down to earth next week. Because you got to remember that Niners game and what happened. Mm. But the counterbalance to all this is, clearly, we all said it in our chat, clearly this was a shame, Waldron. I don't think yeah. Pete could have mustered up 
a 48-point game. He he damn near made it as tight as he possibly could at 48 points. Don't get me wrong. The the, the defences that used to play in prevent, they just started doing it themselves anyway. And then Pete decided to do add prevent on top. It's like, no, Pete. They're, they're playing horrendous. Please stop it. Please don't do this to us. But he tried his best. Give that off to Pete. He tried his bloody best to give us all a heart attack at 48 points up. But yeah, like we're going to get onto probably in more depth, just to bring Waldron into it. If Waldron schemes this game up and things like this for every single game moving forward and like Josh has said and I'll give my juice to Josh if I see it consistently if this is our offence and Pete has eventually turned around and gone do you know what this defence is that bad I need to you just sort this offence I really need to focus on that D then we could surprise a lot of teams in a shootout a lot of teams who probably write us off like even though they'll go all 48 points we're even saying it, but it's against the Lions. So these players, again, with the Saints and the Rams and your Chargers and your Chiefs, they're going to look at it and go, yeah, but it's the fucking Lions and they let 45 points up. Mahomes is just going to dice them up. And then they might get a little bit of a shock when Gino is building in confidence. To bring it back into Gino uh, without getting too much off track, is he's, he's building in confidence. This game... I slagged him for being like a statue in the pocket. I did it when I spoke to Brett. I'd done it on this podcast because he did. But my God, now is he growing in confidence? And I've got to give him credit. He throws a fucking pretty ball. Uh-huh. That thing don't wobble, doesn't like medium like to deep. Said, it's, like you said, it must be a receiver-friendly ball. Mm, yeah. Because it, yeah. it's catchable every time, isn't it? Yeah. Except for that one just overthrown to Tyler, but I think Tyler mm. could have put a bit more of a burn on that and got that. I think it was in Tyler's range. He just, I think he may have just accept, expected it a bit more to him because that's something Russ would have done. Mm. But that, if that's what we're seeing, that's going to only come as the weeks progress. Yeah. Um, like you say, it, it, he's just, he's playing his role to perfection at the minute, really. Um, Josh, like as Pez has alluded to there, it feels like the the really serious tests are starting to come up now for Geno Smith. Obviously, we've had that 49ers game, which was, you know, a really tough defense to go against. Um, but then as as like you say, as Pez has alluded to, you've got the Saints coming up, Cardinals, Chargers, Giants, Cardinals again, Bucks. I mean, there's some really good defenses coming up for Geno. Is it are you on this train yet? I'm gonna I'm gonna put the same question to you. Or uh, are you being reserved as you as you look into these next run of run of fixtures? So Pez hit the nail on the head. And I've I've been saying this all season. I've said it about every player who shows flashes. Don't jump on a hype train for the sake of jumping on a hype train because you'll inevitably let down. You need to have consistency. It needs to be consistently proven. So we had a chat like, off air about Rashard Penny. And I said at the end of last season, he had a fantastic six games, but I need to see it consistently. I need to see a full season's worth of those type of results to be like, you know what? I'm on board. Gino, very much the same. I've, I, as I said, we've slandered him. I, I've said he's been a backup for 
three, four teams now before he, he landed this job purely because we traded away our franchise QB and Pete went, well, I ain't starting with a rookie who's not proven. I'll just go with my backup who actually kind of knows the system. Um, I, I think he's going to, I want to say he's going to struggle, but the, the thing that I noticed this week was, and it's been well documented, he was calling a lot of the line. So he's yeah, he got a... He's got a mastery of this offense. So him and Waldron have, don't get me wrong, Waldron, I've said this before, I think he's been doing brilliantly. When we play to his game plan, the ball gets moved around. We change the point of attack. People don't know where we're going. They don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass to whoever. We'll get the tight ends involved. It looks amazing. Mm. I, I, I really do see now that they've given a lot more of the playbook to Gino. And this week kind of proved that with the confidence and with, you know, the wind behind him where, where he does, the rest of the team is really playing. He can do things with that ball. He can move it. He can get us those first. I mean, the first game in franchise history, we did not punt a ball. Brilliant. My, Michael Dixon sat there on the bench next to Drew Lock going, what's it like on here for so long? I like uh, doing nothing, mate. Yeah. I like sitting here doing nothing. Yeah. You can get used to this. Um, but yeah, but I was yeah. slowly growing his Aussie mullet. Like I, I, I think the that was kind of indicative of, of what was allowed. And the fact, like, was it was it Penny's first or second run? I think it might have been his second, where we'd lined up for a pass, and Gino saw something where he audibled at the line of scrimmage, and then he audibled for that run from Penny who made a fantastic break and burned it through. Like, if that goes on all season, I'll be happy. Even if it's against better defences, there might be some picks. There might be a, a, a few, you know, a few opportunities where coverage was too good. I, I don't care. But as long as we keep showing that progression, I'm I'm happy with, with that for our offence. Because it's, as much as everyone bangs on about, oh, but, but our old QB yeah. and his moon balls and oh, they look so good and he could get us out of trouble with his legs. Gino got us out of trouble with his legs. Gino didn't need to throw a moon ball. He just kept the ball moving, which gave us more time in possession. He scored some damn good touchdowns with different players. He got DK in the game. Fair play, didn't get a touchdown, but he got 149 yards. Yeah, you know, and one, like one of them, yeah. he was literally yards away from a touchdown. Like, I'm, you know what? Offensive wise, I'm happy. If if it carries on like this, fair play. I'm, I can't whinge. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it does against a better defense, like Pez says, because the Saints are going to have a much better decent defense. There's going to be a lot less cover zero. There's going to be a lot less all man blitzing. They're going to cover the middle of the field more and and be able to show him less looks when it comes to his receivers. So this is going to be where we're going to have to try something new and Walden's got to reach into his bag of tricks and hopefully he might start the running game sooner. Mm. We might see big days from Ken Walker, who was the, the catalyst for our running game. We might see big, big, big day for Penny and then the pathway opens up. We'll wait and see. But I'm, this game has got me quite excited about the rest of the season now. I, I want to see if we carry on like this, keep the offense going and rolling as it is and then just fix the fucking defense. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think with Gino, I think what he's doing really well at this point is he knows he's not playing to be the Seahawks franchise quarterback moving forward. He knows that. 
Um, but what he is doing, and I think what the Seahawks are going to really love, is that he's going to take the pressure off finding our next franchise quarterback over the next couple of years. Because I think that's what he's playing. He's playing to extend his career for the next couple of years so that even if we go into the draft next year and draft any of these quarterbacks, they don't have to be plugged in and, and, and started straight away. They can say, well, yeah. do you know what? We've got Geno Smith. He's shown us this year in 2022 that he can run our offense and we can win games and we can be competitive and therefore we don't need to throw any young rookie quarterback straight into the fire if it takes a, another two or three years of Geno running a running a basic offense and then all of a sudden you're ready to to, to you know you've bled in this rookie guy that you that you've invested in then then that's that's what Geno's playing for at the minute and, and he's, he's also he's also well. playing for paying for the bag or playing for he the is. bag. He wants that, that little tiny bag. He's not going to get a huge $50 million contract. But if they double what he's on now, he'll go up to 14 mil, still have a starting job in the NFL. 14 mil with add-ons mm. is going to be fantastic for him. Because if he puts on like stipulations, like his completion percentage, because he's 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 now the... And, and this is something that really baffled me. He is the most accurate quarterback from completion... Was it completion percentage... For, to, for anyone to have thrown over 250 yards in the first four games of the season in NFL history. It's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> Let that sink in, listeners and watchers. Geno Smith holds an NFL record that is not a bad one. Who the fuck? I don't think in... any of us wanted Drew Locke to be quarterback one anyway, did we? No, that was never the case. Go on, Pez. <laughs> um... It's just Gino on this offense. First in QB, e, EPA, and CP, CPEO. Second in passing total points. Third in true dropback, no play action, RPO points earned per pass play. Fifth highest early down pass frequency. Fourth in overall EPA per play. Second in overall success rate. That is ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> insane. Like it is insane. And I look at it now and I just think, oh God, that proved me wrong bit's gonna bite me. When 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 I when No, I no, no, guys, no, not that guy. Oh, sorry. Not when, when, him, I, when yes. I sent yeah, when I sent you guys that message uh, what was it, half past three this morning because my toddler woke me up. I was I, I couldn't get back to sleep. So I started looking at some of the stats from Gino and this offense. And then I conversely looked at the, the other side of the ball for the Seahawks and really wish I hadn't. Um, it was just, I was reading them and thinking, am, am I still asleep? Is this right? And then I reread them and I was thinking, it's, it's all spot on. And just the efficiency in which Gino's playing this game I just imagine, right? If Russ had—I oh, use his name. Um, if the other guy, yeah, yeah, had used That's a this, warning. Offense, this this offense the way that Waldron actually planned it last year, rather than going off on his own tangent, he would have looked ten times better, and probably would have commanded more money. But instead, and Denver fans are fan, finding this out now based on Reddit and Twitter. He he doesn't he he plays right. You're going to get the warning in a minute. You, you're yeah, going sorry, too sorry. far on tour, Ross. Well, yeah, he's no, gone. Right, yeah. He's I'm dead. Sorry. Yeah. You need to stop comparing him. He doesn't matter anymore. This no, but, is... what, 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 right, back onto my original point. Yeah. 
Baldron's calling a sound game and he's using a QB that isn't elite, which I've said before, and he's making him look superb. Imagine if he'd had an elite QB who was able to make all the throws and more with his game plan. We're winning games and we're scoring 48 points with Geno Smith, just looking efficient. If we had a truly elite QB playing this game, I dread to think what points we'd score week in, week out. Do you know what I'm loving as well? I'm, I'm loving this RPO stuff. The, 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 the hands-off to pennies, rolling out, hitting Kobe Partington, hitting Will Disley. Before we get to the running backs, but we're on them now, so we may as well talk about the, the receiving options. Um, it feels like Will Disley is the main benefiter of Geno Smith at the minute because I tell you what, Will Disley looks like a player, just a completely different player from the one we saw last year. Um, he was predominantly a, a blocking tight end last year. Never really a threat in the receiving game. Now, it feels like we're seeing a rookie Will Disley again before that injury. This is the kind of players and the kind of ways he was being used in the, in his rookie season. Um, I mean, that touchdown, just that seam up the middle. It's just, it, 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 it's killer, killer throw, killer hands by Disley. He's always had good hands. Um, you know, four, four receptions, 39 yards, 9.8 average from Disley. Colby um, Parkinson, another nice little 28-yard game. Um but you know that if if you'd have told us last year that Kobe Parkinson would be getting would be looking at Kobe Parkinson and and being a little bit disappointed that it was only a twenty eight yard game, um, you know I, I I think we'd have all you know been pretty surprised that we'd be saying that this year because he was so poorly schemed into the offense this first two years here. Um, I, I'm just loving this tight end inclusive. I'm loving the spread across all the receivers, but. DK Metcalf is the main one from this game. Um, seven receptions, 149 yards, a 21.3 average. And here's a little juicy stat for you all. Here's a little juicy one. Um, that was DK Metcalf's first 100-plus receiving yard game since week three of last year against the Minnesota Vikings, week three of 2021, where he went for 107 yards. He's not had a 100-plus yard game since um, in the NFL regular season. He came close, got 98 yards against the Rams just a few weeks later last year, um, but he's never gone for 100 yards since then. Um, and, and 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 all of a sudden, 149 yards. Had a great game last week as well, DK Metcalf. Um, I mean, it, it's, is DK Metcalf going to be on track for another 1,000-yard season? Is that achievable now under Geno Smith from what we've seen? Or It definitely is. Um... I wanted to speak about DK, just personally him and his play. Um, so it's good you brought him up, really, because something I've noticed through these first four, ga- first four games with DK is something he's never done since, like, since he's been with the Seahawks. And I don't know whether he's felt like he's never had to, and now he's been forced, like, not forced, but he's been put into this leadership role, mm. and he understands his situation so he has to put more effort in but remember how many times we used to always say about if DK just high pointed that ball if DK just jumped why isn't DK jumping at his size and multiple times in these first four games I've seen him high pointing the football his touchdown against the Falcons went up and just high pointed it over the defender's head because he's just that much bigger like, that's what we've been wanting from him. That's how how many times have we said that about DK's game with the drop balls and high-pointing. Now, I can't remember 
seen him drop that many passes this year. I honestly think if Gino can keep this rolling and Waldron can have control of the offense and not have Pete meddle in with it, and it's just his game plan, I think you're going to see a totally different animal from DK. Because he knows his he knows his assignment, he knows his leadership role, and he's out there working on everything, everything. Mm. He was there blocking for Penny on one of his touchdowns. Um, he was there last week blocking for Ken Walker when he went one way and went the other way. DK was his like lead block. Like he just seems like a different, different focus, different mindset. Matured. Hmm. I think he's he's one of the he's, he 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 comes across as one of them characters. Listening to his interviews in the in the off season and stuff, where he says like he kind of admits he's kind of the kid joker. He's not the serious kind of type because they were like he did an interview with someone and he said, "What are you going to bring as a leader?" I'm 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 not going to be the shouty, rah rah stern guy. Like I'm the joker. I'll I'll get around my guys, how they know me, mm. and. It's almost like give him a challenge, and he always rises to that occasion. He's one mm. of them guys, but you leave him where he is, he will only just perform. And he's like a, a world class horse, racing horse. The world, the world's best racing horses, will only ever win by a short margin because they'll only ever do just enough. Like your exceptional ones will go and blow them all out of the field. But your world-class ones, and they know they're world-class, will only just do enough to win. They will never get out of that second gear. Mm. Like, I I enjoy horse racing. I watch it multiple Mm -hmm. times with some of the greatest horses, and they just do enough. And that is, I think, what DK is. You give him more responsibility you give him more challenges and he will always rise and find a way to meet the next level. That is a, that is a cracking little analogy there. Pez. Well, I was going to say, Pez, you and your analogies and, and I, I'm, you are going Gino up and up Smith. and up. I know. Never mind Gino Smith, you know, lifting his game. Pez's analogy game has gone to another level. This started. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> making me blush. Oh, you're more than welcome. Um, Let's get on to these running backs then, because Pez, I'm going to make you blush again. Um, you didn't. You, you said at the end of this uh, of, of the last podcast that this was Rashad Penny's breakout game, and Rashad Penny has indeed gone and had a breakout game. 17 carries. I mean, this is proper RB1 numbers, by the way. 17 carries, 151 yards, 8.9 average, two touchdowns. Now, again, similar kind of question. I'm going to put to you in terms of how we've done it with Geno Smith. Are you going to be getting carried away off the back of this performance from Rashad Penny because it was against the Detroit Lions defense? Or is this the kind of numbers that you're now going to expect to see from Rashad Penny going forward? Do you want to go first, Josh? Because I've, uh, I'm going to gush a little bit. So I'll let you get your pessimism out of the way. My pe- pessimism. Pessimism. Pessimistic. I'll tell you what. That's, that's, pes- that's the next one. Oh, he's on another level. <laughs> got positive pens and, and then the pessimist. Um, no, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll do a little bit of gushing and then I'll do what I usually do and just try and chuck in some realism and logic. So this was a great game for him. It, the runs he made 
were fantastic. I said, I'm, I'm not going to take away from Ken Walker because he started that ball rolling. It, without him, it wouldn't have opened up as much. And then it's mm. literally, Ken, go do some bits, absolutely fine. And then what? Eight carries, 29 yards. Not lighting up the world, but it showed we had the impetus to run. And that got him guessing, which then allowed Gino to throw. And then we chuck Penny in. And Penny was just... I don't get how he makes so much yardage. Even when he's plowing through a pile, the, the fact that there must have been a light bulb moment last year where he went, I'm oh, quite a big dude. Mm. Like, if I ran full pelt into someone, I am going to get through them. It's like, was it was it Michonne um, Lynch's phrase? If you run through a mother has face enough, you know, they're not going to want to carry on tackling you. And that, I think that's kind of what we're getting from Penny now. He's just running through and running past people. I can't take it away from him. It was brilliant. It's two touchdown runs. Mwah, chef's kiss. Um, but again, I will hark back to what I said earlier in the pod. It's a, I will wait and see before I gush and run out and buy a penny jersey. Um, because at the end of the day, if he plays too well and someone else tries to sign him, we're not going to pay him loads of money because that's just what Seattle does. And we've got Ken Walker in the back. Um but also, I want to see it all season. This is game four, and it's his first 100-yard game. You know, I want to see him do it consistently. I want 100-plus games every week. I want to see him scoring touchdowns like tuddies for, funny, for fun. I don't want to come back next week and be like, Rashad was really quiet. And then the next week was really quiet. Then the week after that, I was like, oh, my God, he went off. Brilliant. That is inconsistency at its finest. Not what you need. Show me consistency, and I will buy on. I, I will buy a ticket. I bought the Richard Penny train and Pez, I will come and sit next to you. Pez, take over because you're on the train. So a bit of pushback on your consistency with the running backs. Name a top running back who is actually consistent. No one has been this season. Absolutely no one's been this season. That's the thing. So last season you had like Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb to a degree, Mixon, not so much. Um, they were more consistent last season. This season, no one has been. It's been a really weird season for running backs in the NFL. If Literally, you... no one's been consistent. If you look at fantasy, and pretty much every single fantasy league I've got, I've got one of the different top mm. six running backs in one of my teams. And none of them have scored high consistently. No. It's been one week, amazing. Next week, shit house. One week, Middling next week or this week, brilliant for two of them. Um, and then Javonta Williams just goes and gets injured. Um, so no one has been this week or this year. So if Rashad can show it me consistently, I'm I'm all, I'm happy with that. A because he's on my fantasy team, and B because he's going to help the Seahawks win. In fact, not flip those. A he's going to help the Seahawks win, and B because he's on one of my fantasy teams. So yeah, no, no one's been yeah. consistent. Pairs, I'm with it, you on that one. It, exactly, and in fantasy, the if you look through fantasy eyes, um, it's really Nick Chubb. Yeah. Consistent all the yeah. way through kind of thing. But back onto uh, my absolute gush fest of the uh, running backs. Do you know what it is for me? It's not the stats. It's, it's, it's how I am very confident once this run game um, and my dog gets out of this kitchen. Because is he a Richard Penny fan? Maybe that's why he's come in. Well, maybe that's why he's come in. 
One minute. One YouTube, minute, YouTube watchers, we're about to go meet Pez's dog. Go on. We're off, we're off on a trek. Oh, he's put us in for... Oh, no, he he's, hasn't. He's a oh, mighty he large is. one. Look at that. Valiant steed. You could ride it into battle if you were a borrower. Go on. Yeah, so it's it's not the stats for me. Like, the stats don't excite me. Um, like, I'm not getting carried away with the stats in this game. The stats were amazing. Yeah, wicked. But how I'm confident Richard Penny is going to be consistent with this and why he is in the best possible position to not re-injure. And people have sort of been saying it on Twitter, like I said to Josh in that pod, and he ripped my head off about his injury proneness. People start coming round to what I was trying to say in that podcast. One major injury doesn't make him injury prone and it doesn't make him a bust. Because he's picked up from where he left off last year for me. Stats might not have shown it because they've not really got their own game in yet. But what he has done is this game is, is, the, is the perfect way to sum up the first four weeks for him. His running has been brilliant when he's been given the chance. Don't And what, what have we said about Rashard Penny? What have more, like, let, I'll use Mike Dugard because it was on his podcast when he said, Rashard Penny isn't a backup. Hmm. Rashard Penny is a number one guy. He needs the touches. He might not burst straight away, but you get him rolling and then he'll go off. Literally, Mike Dugard, that's off to you because you, you this game, he probably doesn't even remember saying it, but this game proved his point to a T. Rashard Penny started off some decent runs, started getting bottled up, like Josh said. Then they brought Ken in, and he properly got the game rolling then. And then once he got loosened it up, they then sent the hammer in, and Penny went to town on him. I think I, I think just, just to add to that as well, sorry, um... Ken, Ken Walker, the thing that I've noticed that he brings is that width. He's got that speed to get around the edge to open up that, that D-line. But they also did... Did they use D Eskridge on a jet sweep as well? Because yep. he got six yards. Yep. And that's just trying to create that width to give us space on the inside for someone like Penny, which is working for him, man. So, so that's... I was literally... You were transitioning... Yes. You transitioned in because I was going to get on to Ken then. Any... Like, so to my point of Rashad Penny is in the perfect situation because his RB2 is the perfect guy for him. Them two, Ken's got more wiggle. He's got more toe-in-the-dirt twist. But Penny showed it a couple of times today. And I think what we're seeing now out of Penny is we're seeing from, again, I think it's the perfect start for Rashad Penny. Six games last year. But then don't forget, in the off-season, he had a few hamstrings, he had a few quad problems and we're like, ooh, well, we've seen it already. Is he unraveling? This is the perfect way. And it will be a genius stroke is if they don't introduce the run game till later on. Properly get it rolling later into the season. Because what we're seeing from Rashad Penny now, in one of his touchdown runs, I think it was, he, he did a he did a t- left foot towing straight out to the right, like dummy the defender and went out. You've not seen that from Rashard Penny since his major injury when he had that big blow-up game. Or was yeah. it against the Vikings? For him to start doing things like that again, like people should be really excited for that, I think. Don't look at the stats. Don't get concerned about, oh, but he's not putting big numbers up. Look at how he's running. 
Look at how he's running. Look at how he's rolling. And Ken is the perfect guy for that because they're similar. And I, I can guarantee they probably feed off their energy with each other. Ken is like a ball of energy. And that man is ready to break it to the house anytime soon. He, he nearly yeah. did it a couple of times. I love watching him run the football. It's exciting, isn't it? Man. Because like, you, you, you're just desperate for him to get that TD, aren't you? you, you every time no, he touches the ball, you're like... This, oh. this is the thing, Josh. We don't need to be desperate. It is coming. I'm, I'm literally guarantee everyone who listens, he's ripping onto the house in the very near future. He, he, he you, was, you nearly said next game then, didn't you? And then you realised <laughs> what the defence was. <laughs> no, but do you know, fuck it. Next game, he could do like you get DK to start DK and Tyler to start worrying him deep, mm. hanging off two highs, leave the room open. The he, he hits he hits his hole so hard. His change of gear, I said it in the preseason. His change of gear is so good to watch. I love watching running backs. Mm. Like, and I'm nowhere near a technical guy with it. I just fucking love watching him, and I love watching him. Like, you saw it in this Lions game. He's just ready to rip. He's ready to rip. And do you know what? You brought the Eskridge up before. I want to bring him up. And like Josh said, what, what the fuck? But do you know what? He, he, gets the, he gets the hit for the coaching staff not getting him involved. Because that jet sweep he had, he looked dangerous. He looked what dangerous. What for, though? When Waldron had his, like... When Walden was brought in, it was like, well, what do we need to make your plan succeed? That is the reason DS was winning. So the first game DS Ridge played, one of the first plays that they gave him was a jet sweep. Mm-hmm. And then the injuries happened. Right. So that's what he's in there for, to open up that field and to try and make that, those yards on the outside. That's what he's there. I mean, I wrote in my notes, I said to you before, what is the point in DS Ridge? But I, I, I need to amend that to... What was the point in the Deskridge pick if you're not going to use him? He's shown that he's well, he had 16 yards in total, six rushing, 10 receiving. Mm. So he can catch a ball, he can rush, he's there as this 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 piece within the offense. Use him more. Well, you picked him up in the second because they obviously valued him at that pick. Use him. So, I, so I, with what you said. Um, my thought, my thinking whilst you're speaking, what do you two reckon is a bit like what I said about Rashad Penny? Do you know how, what if the plan is, what if genuinely the plan is we got Geno Smith, like no one's really expecting anything of us. Why burn Rashad Penny to the ground and injure him when we can use him later? What if they're doing the same thing with Eskridge? He's had so many little niggling injuries, get his confidence up, bring him in bit by bit by bit. And then, do you know, like them games, like we're saying with the Saints next week, well, they kind of know what Gino can do. Well, here you are. This is something you've not seen yet. And then they use a lot of Eskridge. I'd be happy with that. I mean, you look at what receivers this week, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So there's 10 last week, eight this week. That is a bloody good spread. I'm happy with that. If we can get D Eskridge in more, just just I just want, and again, this is something that I always say to people, whether it be guys sport, just people, work, whatever, prove it to me. If they can have Eskridge in there and he starts to prove his worth for his draft pick, for all the hype that was surrounding him, for the fact Waldron wanted him at that pick, I'll be happy. 
at the moment, he's again not proved it to me. But I'm, I would happily eat my words from previous pods just to see him fly. Mm. Like, this, this is the confusing thing for me. This is the confusing thing for me before we leave the offense. You're right that this was Shane Waldron's pick. You know, if it was Pete's pick, it would have probably been Creed Humphrey or it would have probably been a cornerback or someone. But this was Shane Waldron's pick. And what we're also saying this podcast and what everyone is saying is that this feels like and it looks like that it is Shane Waldron calling the offense now and he's still not scheming him into So it's his player and it's now his offense and it, and he's still not getting involved. So that's where it, it, it's confusing to me. One thing of note. So this game, Eskridge got a reception. God, well, Goodwin didn't. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that Eskridge is slowly overtaking him? So was that the plan? Know, like, the whole like has said. Was that the plan the whole time? Him back in? Yeah, using using Goodwin in his role, and then when they're confident, without pushing him. Because one thing I've noticed about Pete in these last couple of years is. He's very, very, very cautious about pushing his players now. I don't know what it is, but it's almost like he wants them to be 100%. Mm. Like Trey Brown, it's like, yeah, he's nearly there, he's nearly there, he's nearly there. And it's just like, stop telling us lies. Just be truthful. No, I want to wait until I am confident he's 100% so I don't re-injure this player. Mm. Do you know that kind of thing? And it will... Like Josh said, it would make sense that that's why Goodwin made the roster because they're similar guys, similar cats. The experience, everything that Goodwin brings to just teach Eskridge and then Eskridge, the younger guy, can then take over because the the passes, the catches, the runs, everything he did, he looked explosive. So like Josh said, it isn't like it isn't on him. It's like coaches, what the fuck are you doing with him? Pull your head out your ass yeah. and get him involved. Yeah, but then again, it, we're in a season that doesn't really matter. No one's anticipating us winning. No point rushing someone back, get him used to the game plan, get him in there, do, and then by the you, end of the season, hopefully he's having some big plays. Do you need to use him when you've been having the success you're having? You might not be winning every game, but you're no. having success at the moment. And if, Always if you good keep to have a weapon, mate. Exactly, hidden weapon as well. Yeah, like I say, if it, this is the experimental year. If we can't experiment and get Deskridge involved in the offense this year, then we never are really. Um, before the well, that's just my opinion anyway. Before we leave the mm. offense and go to the defense, two little shout outs: Seahawks offensive line four games in, four games not allowing a sack in the first half of games. So shout out to the offensive line as well. And as we keep shouting them out on this podcast as well, these two rookies on the perimeter. Rookie offensive tackles per PFF, their pass block grades this season among all rookie offensive tackles. Abraham Lucas, top of the list, number one out of the rookies in 68.5 pass block grade. Charles Cross coming in at fourth with a 59.4. That's ahead of Ike Mikonu at 51.2. That's ahead of who's Evan looked Neal. Awful. Who's looked awful. That's ahead of Evan Neal, who's, who's on a 50. I mean... They, 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 again, it, it's just reinforcing our belief that I think we've found potentially the future on the on the perimeter of the offensive line. As we've said, the interior needs some work as well, but those two are, are, are they're going to be here in Seattle for a long time. I think that that's that's safe to say. Um, before we get on to the defense, though, uh, a quick shout out and a quick message from our friend over at the Tate Twelve Podcast, Mr. Brett Davin. Um, as I'm sure you know by now. The and Lawford Tupu. They're running a very exclusive package. A package uh, offer. 
a package offer. Best multiple best of packages. Multiple they're, packages. They're offering yes. their package to the customer. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what that sounded like then? That sounded like exactly. Peasant, it sounded like Pez in a classroom trying to impress the teacher with an answer that someone else knows. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was trying to make it sound wrong. That's yeah, what I was trying to make what, it. Yeah, I was going to say, I took that as an innuendo. I was like, which Thank you, Josh. are talking breads, Thank you, breads Josh. or loafers? Like, <laughs> you get to I, choose. I don't, I don't want to hazard a guess which one's the bigger package, but... It's a big package. We've absolutely ruined right. their advert here. Yeah. They're running a fantastic trip to Munich for the Seahawks and Buccaneers game later this November. Um, he's going to give you some details on this trip that involves some very special guests involved in this trip that you'll be meeting and staying with. And, uh, and, and I'll let him explain a little bit more. Hey, Seahawks fans. It's Brett Davern from the Take 12 podcast. Here to let you guys know about our trip to Germany. Our podcast, the Take 12 podcast, is going to Germany for the Munich game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have tickets to the game that we are selling as part of our travel packages, which also include three nights in a hotel in Munich and also a fantasy-style flag football game where you get to play football with six Seahawks legends who will also be on the ground in Munich. It's going to be Lofa Tatupu, KJ Wright, Leroy Hill, David Hawthorne, Sean Locklear, and Matt McCoy, and also a few other Seahawks legends are checking their schedules, so we'll update that if it changes. But we're doing dinners out. We're doing parties. We're giving you guys gift uh, packages and baskets. We're having custom flag football jerseys for that game, and like I said, we have the actual tickets to the actual game on Sunday, which rounds out our trip. We also have travel packages that don't even include the hotel. So if you already live in Europe, if you're already planning on being in Munich, but you're looking for things to do, if you want to play in a flag football game with Seahawks legends, just come do that. If you already have hotel accommodations, we have the package without the hotel also. All of the information is at 12sinmunich.com. That's 1-2-S in Munich. So check it out, and I hope to see all of you in Munich. And as always, if you are interested in joining Brett and his friends on that trip, and, and who knows, maybe even us as well, we'll see what happens, um, then go to 12sinmunich.com and head to the checkout once you've confirmed what package you want to be on and use code WETALK12 at the checkout for a 12% uh, discount on your entire package, the entire cost of your package. And uh, you'd be helping out the podcast massively if you choose to do so. That's a decent deal. Decent deal. Lucky numbers, 12. I mean, what, what's not to love? Um, maybe seeing Pez line up at tight end in, in, in flag football. That, you, you probably won't love seeing that. But hey-ho, that's part of the package. Um, right. <laughs> Let's get to this defense I get then. to see my package after a few beers. <clears throat> Pez, man. <laughs> you just... Never mind you, <laughs> me ruining your positive Pez segment. Get, just get out of my transition. Do, do, you know, do you know how many times you've said to me, it's always me who brings down the tone of this pod <laughs> yes. with dirty innuendos, and you don't even bring out an innuendo. You're just flat out saying to people, well, maybe I'll get my kecks off. You yeah. never know. No, Might sell tickets. Might sell tickets. We no. don't know. No, you've stopped anyone who's on Spotify listeners, maybe like YouTube watchers. Yes. Well done, because nobody's going to go and buy tickets now. Um, but um, hey, if, if that's something that interests you, then please do go and use code WeTalk12 at, at, at the checkout for that package. Um, right. 
let's get to the defense <laughs> then, because this is. Oh, I tell you what. Well, there were a lot of packages on defense uh, in in this Detroit game. Um, other than one or two, who I, I will gush over, and I'm sure Pez will as well. Um, I'm sure we all will. Um, but for the most part, this is just a polar opposite of of gushing over the offense. I mean, there's some people in for a right telling off here over over the next sort of segment that, that we're going to talk about this for. Um, the first one that comes to mind and the one who needs to go to the headmaster's office straight away is Cody Barton. Um, I, I, I give up. I, I, I really, I, I mean, look, I, I don't hate the guy. I've got nothing against the guy. But as we've said, not exclusively on this podcast, but we have said it on this podcast for a little while now. Cody Barton is not a starter for the Seattle Seahawks in their long term. He's just not. Go and watch Jared Goff's rushing touchdown from from the from the Detroit game, and I'll, and I'll edit the clip into the into this YouTube form of our podcast. So if you're on YouTube, you can see it. Um, I I I just I I have no words. I mean, his it's not even just his pass coverage that that is awful. That T.J. Hawkinson play. I mean, the 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 effort level on that play from Cody Barton to just. Me just trying to little palm him out of bounds. It's one palm to touch. He, he put more effort sprinting after him, what would have knackered him out more than actually yeah. pushing him out. And do you know what it is as well? It's his, it's his play yeah. recognition. If you play Madden, you know, play rec- you'll know that phrase, play recognition. You know, if it, I, don't, I don't have Madden 23, but if, if, if Cody You're not Barton's, missing out. If Co- no, I, I probably not. No, it's just the worst game every year. Cody Barton, if his play recognition grade, a stat, is anything over 29, right, then I'm going to write to Madden and EA Sports, tell them to watch the first four games of this season and, and tell me how it's even worth 20, because he just looks completely lost out there in pass coverage. He can, Don't get me wrong, he can, he can stuff the odd tackler and the odd runner here and there against the running game, but he just looks completely lost out there. And there's a name that I want to bring up and see what kind of reaction it gets. But Vi Jones, preseason, played really well, played excellently against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now we haven't seen him. Please tell me what Vi, Vi Jones could not come in and play any worse than Cody Barton. He deserves his chance from the way he played in preseason. Play him. It is evident that Cody Barton is not the is just not the answer at, at inside linebacker. So see, so just just try anything. See that Pete always stresses about next man up, always competition. No player's position is safe. You know, if if you're not playing well, there's always guys coming up. There's well, if 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 you're going to stand by that, if that philosophy is correct, Cody Barton needs to be benched next week. There's not there's no there's no way that you play like that and deserve to keep your keep your spot in, in the starting it, in the starting lineup. Surely it's not just the fact that. He has been dog shit. It's the fact that his awful play is affecting his middle linebacker partner. So he is making Jordan Brooks look awful Mm -hmm. because JB has now got to focus on, and Pez, we've all said it, I said it last pod, Brooks is looking bad because he's got too much shit to do. He's a third-year player who's now the defensive signal caller. He is the number one middle linebacker. And he's effectively number one slash two. 
because not only has he got to do his job, he's literally got to look to his right and go, oh, God, what is Cody going to fuck up on now? Mm-hmm. And then he's got to try and cover that. Whether it's Cody rushing the line and tackling a ghost and letting someone stroll past him, or it's Cody wandering off downfield, having spotted some random butterfly floating towards the crowd rather than the ball, and then JB's got to go, oh, my God, I need to try and get there too, but what do I do about my man? It's The the impact on one player who is that inefficient has an impact on all of them around him. So having a middle linebacker like that, if you're playing a 3-4 look and your outside linebackers are lined up in coverage, the linebacker next to him on the outside also has to think, if they're going to throw it in the middle to a, a wide receiver on a slant or a, a tight end running through there, they're going to be like, I've got my wide receiver on the outside, but what's going to happen there? It just impacts everyone. Inefficiency like that is inexcusable at professional level. I'm sorry. I, I tried to be really impartial, but the more and more I watch him, and I was really rooting for him this season, the more and more I am in the same Mindset as you two, that he is not a starter in this league. Chuck him in for some impact package where all you've got to do is say, Cody, just go and rush the line, mate. Don't worry about anything else. Just try and get to the quarterback. Fine. If it's a matter of, right, Cody, you're an every down, every down linebacker. Your job now is to, to rush, to prevent the run, to try and cover everything. He just has, it's like he's a brain fart. There's so much going on in his brain. He just, he has a meltdown. He hasn't, doesn't know what to do. Sorry to, mm-hmm. to get cut in there, but it, it's annoyed that, that that push, attempted yeah. push pass, broke me on Sunday. You know how much I hate shite tackling. And that genuinely had me jump off my sofa and nearly punch my, punch my TV. Yeah. Awful. You, you said it, you said you hit the nail on the head. With uh, what I was thinking, Josh, I was going to say, because uh, I was going to uh, mention about the whole Jordan Brooks element in him p- playing so poor, but it's like, for long-term listeners, me and James, from the first year we started this podcast, we were in agreement about Cody Barton. We said it this off-season, whereas Josh said, like like he said, he said he, he hoped he did good things, but me and James, we were still on the same thing. We were like, he is not an every-down linebacker. No. He, he never has done. He always unravels the more he plays and the quicker they realise that and find something or someone to start alleviating from his thing it's going to help it all because you can only question it as well if the middle falls apart like the secondary like surely everything just falls to pieces Mm. Um, like Josh said like Josh said um, with Jordan Brooks for people who start trying to blame anyone else, really, if you look at it, Jordan Brooks looked really good last year because he had Bobby Wagner next to him. Right? That's why everyone was like, oh, he's Bobby's replacement because he looked really good. Mm. So before anyone then turns around and goes, oh, it was Bobby who made him look good. Did Bobby play so poor last year because he was helping Jordan out so much with his assignments? But... Then you've got to go back to when Bobby first came in the league and who did he have next to him? KJ Wright. Mm-hmm. Like, who was his uh, outside line? Was it Cliff Averill? 
Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Yeah, in the Sam and things like that. Yeah. Then look at that team. He had a solid unit around him, so he didn't need to overthink himself. Signal call. Just do your job. Do you do his job and not overthink it. But that, is, that is one of the big messages that you get from any sort of coach is just do your job. I coach my under 17s and 18s in rugby. This is your job. Just do your job and everything else around you will come into place. In the NFL, because it's so position specific as well in what your task is, they just say, do your job. Defence is built from the D-line back. Anyone with a good D-line, good edge rushers, okay, it makes it easier on the linebackers, makes it easier on the, you know, the uh, cornerbacks and the safeties. All right. Mm-hmm. At the moment, our defensive front isn't great. We had one sack against Jared Goff, which just awful. All right. But then once we get past how bad that's been, and don't get me wrong, people like Al Woods, Q Jeff, I, I, I will always love Q Jeff. I think he's brilliant. His cleats are on point, right? And his play's all right. But Shelby Harris really made a difference. But once you get past that, which hasn't been super effective, our edge rushing hasn't been super effective, bar and Chenner and Wosu, then you get to our middle linebackers. They've been completely ineffective, which then puts more pressure on the safeties, bearing in mind we're missing the linchpin of what this defence should be in Jamal Adams. We've got a rookie corner and we've got a, a inconsistent corner in Mike Jackson. And God knows what's happened to Sidney Jones. You know, it just it, the whole thing starts mounting up and that that's tantamount to our whole shitty defensive play this season. Mm. But you should have that D-line creating pressure and then the linebackers there to stop anything over the middle. But people are just they're pissing on us in the middle because yeah. they can't do anything. It's, I think it's so infuriating to watch. I think it's a really good point this for for people to to take into into mind when when you're evaluating Jordan Brooks specifically this year so far in in terms of the pass coverage deficiencies. Um, could you imagine? Because he's this this is a guy who's still on his rookie contract who since he's came into the league has known only anything but playing next to a Hall of Fame player in Bobby Wagner. Can you imagine having that being taken away from you, being asked to go and be the captain, go and be the leader of that middle of the defense? And have to have Cody Barton next to you. I mean, it, it could you? It, it's a hell it, of a drop, isn't it? It's a hell of a drop. It, it's like that meme of you know when, when you want to go outside and play outside with your mates, and your mum tells you to bring your little brother with you, and then he has to play on the same team as you. Do you know what I mean? It, it, but you just do it because it, do, do you get what I'm saying? It, 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 it's like that. Oh, so, great analogy. Course, great thank you, Pez. analogy. Thank you, Pez. That 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 means a lot coming from you this year. Um, <laughs> could you just? But just take that into consideration that Jordan Brooks is having to, like you say, he's having to account for Cody Barnes' inefficiencies alongside him. And he's he's had a Hall of Fame player taken away from him. That's all he's ever known. And now all of a sudden it's been, it, it, it and he has been, it's just been like, right, go on then, Jordan, go out there, play with that C on your chest effectively, be a captain of this defence, lead that linebacker group with Cody Barton next year. No KJ right? no no Bobby Wagner, no, no, no stars like that. It is going to take time for for Jordan Brooks to, to to be able to get comfortable in that, and it may only change until Cody Barton is 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 out of this starting lineup, unfortunately. Um, but it, it it's don't get me wrong, but I, I don't want to slander him too much as a rotational piece, mm. as a what I call a bullet, 
in whenever I coach people, you have like the coach is the, the gun who just points it and you have a player who's just a bullet, a blunt object who goes and does that one thing they're specified to do. That he's absolutely fine at. Go and rush the passer. Hit that gap. Fine. I can deal with that. But an every down linebacker, I just I feel bad because he's probably a really nice guy. And this is one thing I don't I want to Put out there to everyone. This isn't us slandering the person. This is sports no. hate. Yeah. This is this is just the frustration we have with the play. Not the guy might be awesome. Probably does loads of charity and everything like that. Fine, but he's inefficient as a player, and that's one thing that fans will not put up with. Mm-hmm. Because we watch and support these teams. We pay X amount of money for jerseys from China, like James has got um, <laughs> for. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the multiple hats that I've got, everything else, you know, pairs with pretty much every bit of Seahawks gear you see in every every single pod. We pay for that. We pay for tickets. Some of us pay to fly out there, you know. We don't want to be subjected to substandard play from our team. So I can only imagine the, the people like the Dolphins and their fans must have hated life when they were tanking for tour, mm-hmm. you know. Because that's not what we expect from our team. We are a winning franchise. In the last 10 years, we have not lost. We've had like one substandard season. Mm-hmm. We expect to win and we expect people that are not meeting the standard that we expect as fans and we would hope the coaching staff and GMs expect to, to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable for substandard performances which affect the rest of the team. Now, I look at it and we're all armchair coaches. We've never played the game, you know, but from a coaching standpoint myself, or even a manager's standpoint for work, if you see one weak link, you have to then address it and you have to do something about it, whether it's a matter of you transition them to something else. Because Cody Barton was a safety, I believe, to start with, and then he's transitioned into linebacker. You also have to look at his strengths, what he does, where he can be moved, where he's going to be more efficient and what you can do converse to that. But at the moment, it's just just keep putting him in there. We said he's going to be a star next Jordan Brooks. Just keep doing it and keep doing it. It's, it's the, and I've said it before, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. They've done the same thing for four games this season and they're expecting him to become a superstar and it's not going to happen. It's just not. And I'm going to bring this guy in now um, because I think this will lead him well. Um, if Jamal Adams hadn't gone down in week one, We'd, we'd mentioned it in our pre-season hot takes and stuff like that. Could Jamal Adams have moved into this linebacker spot and taken this off Cody? And then if he had, and even if he hadn't, even if Jamal was still on the field, how much of an impact would he be having on this defence? Um, personally, I've had a few chats with a few different people on Twitter and everyone's under consensus that Clint Hurt, one thing you can't, you kind of can't knock about this defence is the aggression they're running around. They're running around with aggression, and that's something Clint Hurts bringing back. That's something this team, this defence has missed. It's so frustrating because it's like one year it's this, next year it's that. And then it's like the one thing we've all been wanting is aggression. They've got the aggression and then dropped and everything else. Now, I personally believe if, if people buy into the whole... Eskridge was the reason why our offence fell apart at the start of last year. Jamal Adams is the reason why this defence is falling apart. I'm going to high-five you across the screen right now. Yes, sir. <laughs> because, because 
the usage of Jamal Adams in that first game, you saw it. You saw it all there. You saw the, what was it, his first year he came? Ten sacks or something? You saw ten sacks. Nine, nine and a half. Nine and a half. It's a league record. You saw that guy back on the line, roaming around, dangerous as anything. A bit like the the, the, the safety we've missed, a bit like Ural Thomas. Ural Thomas was always that kind of small, stocky, and he, he would just, he'd roam around low, and he's like just a little hunter, surfacing around. And honestly, I think, if Jamal didn't go down, Clint Hurt would look like a genius right now because his defence would be humming, humming. Like I spoke to various different fans and things on Twitter, people like talking about it, and they all say the consensus. This team is missing Jamal Adams. Yeah. Who is it? Um, I saw a stat um, whilst we're on the safeties. Josh, Josh Jones? Jones. Is that yeah, Josh Jones. He's... Missed tackle percentage or something like that is like 31.8. Jamal Adams, through his, that, that's this year. Jamal Adams, through his whole career, something like 10.8. Wow. The man doesn't miss. So you look at all them big breaking runs today. Jamal's there. They don't get past, they don't get past half. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawkinson doesn't go 81 yards because Jamal would have steamed over and like took his head oh. off. That, Goff, that Goff don't mention that play. Goff would have been in concussion protocol. Like we're missing that kind of guy. We just. I, I think we've like. If if I just hark on to like what so what one of our our Twitter followers, he replied to one of my tweets last week. I was asking about questions. Uh, this is a sort of shout out to. I hope I pronounce it right. Sai Wachira, um, he just said which changes and improvements are needed to save the season. It's quite simple. Bin Cody Barton. All right, and you can't bring back Jamal Adams, but you need to do something like defence to try and incorporate someone like Ryan Neal to to have more of those looks. And it, it's it, it seems like a really simple fix to us, but there must be a reason why they're not doing it. Because if we can see it, then surely they can see it too. Because Pete, as for a defensive guru, must be looking at his defence and every time going, it's fucking Barton again. Why? Why can he? Why, why can't he shoot a gap? Why can't he pick up anyone else running through the A gap? Why can't he? He just tackle someone out of touch. You know, what, what, where's his coverage? You know, that that is the biggest thing for me. Fix the middle of that field, and I think they've already started rotating the D line or the edge rushes anyway. Marfe's playing a lot more. Yeah, for um, for Taylor. Fix those things, and the rest of it will come together. Because the the cornerbacks, as this will be a nice transition for you, James, because I know you want to talk about your man, your little blue pill. The cornerbacks are actually playing all right. Mike Jackson, I think, has had a bit of a drop off recently, but then I think this is time where you bring Sidney Jones back in. So, um, just before we quickly transition, um, my feeling on it is, um. I think people, because of Jamal and how his season, like his years have gone in Seattle, I think they underestimate his value as a player overall, away from his production. And the big shoes to fill, and they do not have the depth. We spoke about this in the preseason. We spoke about it more. They just don't have the depth. Josh Jones looks Josh Jones looked really good. And he's just like a Cody Barton. He's just, he's just falling apart. He's just he's just fallen apart as the season's gone on. 
And so then Quandre, Quandre's effectively doing what Jordan Brooks is doing. He's playing his role and another role. So you're second guessing yourself. You're not playing free. You're not playing. I know everyone, like, I, I get annoyed everyone links back to the Legion of Boom. But really, really, in these situations, you can compare them to Legion of Boom. Not saying, oh, it reminds me of them. Just compare it to their setup compared to the setup we've got now. Uh, Cam and Earl, they, they were so successful as players because they could trust each other to get a job done. They didn't have to second-guess each other. They didn't have to mess anything up. If one did mess an assignment up, they got to the sideline and like, yes, okay, we are at the same ability. So I don't need to worry about that play. We'll just crack on. Whereas Quandre must be really doubting the guy next to him now because if he had to mall... competency. Hmm. Yeah, and that's it. When if you all know from working, James, I'm not talking to you because you're a you're a smelly student. Um, but Pez, you will know from working, right? And I'm no knowing when this goes out on YouTube, I'm pointing up to your my screen, and you're probably over here. So <laughs> Pez, right? When you're working, you you can turn up to a shift, and you will see your co-worker and go, oh, for fuck's sake!" Because sometimes you'll turn up and be like. I'm going to have to carry this because if, if the work doesn't get done because that person's inept, we're both getting bollocked. <clears throat> Whereas sometimes if you turn up and you've got like your work bestie or you're someone that you're working with that you know is a decent worker, you're like, mega, my job is easier because we will both shoulder this load and we will both do it to a decent standard. It's, it's amazing what it does that like I spent years as a labourer. And the amount of times we'd get a part-time labourer in, it was absolutely awful. By the end of the day, I'd be sweating my bits off because I've done my work and their work. And then I'd look at them and they'd be there smoking a fag, like, make you look really tired. And I'd be like, of course I'm tired. You've done nothing. It's the exact same principle. And it goes throughout everything. Friendships, sport, work. If you are next to someone who is inept at their job or their role, in life, you're shouldering their burden as well. Yep. There you go. A bit of life advice for people there as well. If you've got people in your life like that, bin them off. True. Um, sorry, I've been jelly snake, dear. As we transition, I'm just snapping <laughs> on my jelly snake. That was good timing. Um, but let's get to these cornerbacks then, as I pop my jelly snake instead of my blue pill. Oh, let's have some. Uh, let's just, have some let's positives. Just like James Gush. Let's do that, James. Oh Gush. no, yeah. James has this this podcast. Me and you just know, literally just, me, just, you know, just rambled. Just my me and you now, brother. Go now on, then. my turn. Because we'll Tariq, Woolen, Tariq, Woolen, Tariq, Woolen. That on. man is going to be an all-pro. I'm telling you, he is absolutely special. Yet again, just watch the interception. The level of IQ, tracking, tracking Hawkinson, jumping in front of him. Taking it to the house, the agility to just skip past Goff, I think it was at the end. Was it Goff? Or I, I, can't, I don't care who it was. It probably was Goff. Um, into the end zone. He, he's just... Look, 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 look. There's a, there's a reason why I don't need blue pills. It's that man. It's that man. He's Viagra. He just gets me excited. And he should be getting all of you excited. Because that man, and Kobe Bryant as well, but specifically that man, as I try desperately to finish this jelly snake, that man is going to be 
the future of this Seahawks cornerback group is going to be the next Richard Sherman. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Richard Sherman, but if there's anyone to fill Richard Sherman's boots... He's going to be better. He's going to be better. He's going to... Pez has said it. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. Don't look can, at me. That was can, I, can I just go off topic a little bit? For yes. American listeners, or any other listeners, James is eating gummy sweet snakes not like jellied snakes not like jelly deals in case people think that we're even weird or over in the uk for what we eat they're, oh no these are jelly snakes. sweet snakes oh these are like jelly snakes. sweet snakes sticks. yeah not this jellied is, snakes this is from i've got these exclusively from the i'm a celebrity trial package for this year <laughs> you're billy bullshit mate. <laughs> hey that's not the name of the sweet the best thing is they probably don't know what i'm a celebrity is you big tit <laughs> They're not having it in America. I don't think so, mate. No. Oh well. I, I, I don't know. They've Google got it. the only way is Essex. Right, but anyway, back back onto these. Yeah, back, back, onto the these yeah. back onto these corners. <laughs> um, do you know? Do, to, to add into your tip to equal, and do you know what I find very fascinating about him? In four game weeks, he's not just sticking to his assignments anymore. He's now tracking uh, tight ends and do like. In, in my little technical knowledge, I think that's quite an advanced thing to be able to do, to start tracking the middle of the field, coming out from the outside, and you're starting to move in, and you're starting to, like, read the play, see what's happening. Like, I watched it a couple of times because Hawkinson did not have a, the awareness of Hawkinson. He's like, man, I'm 100-odd yards. I've had a couple of times. I don't give a shit about this ball. And the next minute, the flash comes past him. He's like, oh, where did he come from? <laughs> like, look, 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 watch the close up on Hawkinson's face. Yeah, yeah. When you see Woolen just go across and he just goes, his <laughs> eyes, his eyes go, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And, then, and, then, and then just watch that. That was the, the second fastest runtime out of any, I don't know if it was anyone or any DB in the NFL this year. Because he was the, the fastest the, last week. With the interception, uh, no. Yeah, the, yeah. He was, uh, he was the, the fastest yeah, one of the yeah. other weeks as well. The yeah. the guy is just—he's an absolute mutant. He he likes to be called—is it Reek the Freak? So they've all called him Avatar, and they've started some. I, I think Quandre called him Cheat Code, but Reek the Freak is is so accurate. Like that that man. Shout out to Tariq as well for yes. giving us a like on Insta. Yeah, good boy. Uh, didn't even like the good post we put up. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's just, it, I, I see why James gets so excited every time he sees him play. Because the possibility of him just jumping off for a big play is there all the time. His length, his speed, his getting his positional awareness now, like Pez just said, tracking the middle of the field with a tight end and realising when to kick it up a gear to intercept the ball that he could see was coming. Because if you watch his eyes, his eyes are pretty much constantly on Goff, waiting for waiting to see what he does. And as soon as that ball comes, he just kicks it up into sixth gear, gets right in front of it, and then just burns it. Absolute wheels down that sideline. And then just to add insult to injury, sidesteps Goff just on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> to walk I couldn't in. love him anymore. I mean, this guy <laughs> is playing this game. He's he's not a rookie. I'm sorry, this guy's not. A rookie. He's play. He's he's already 
playing this game with an IQ of, of, of a seven-year veteran cornerback. He just yeah. looks... It, the amount of money that I'm going to go through over the next however many years he's here on new underpants, because that man... <laughs> God. If we ever want to get Tariq Woolen on this show and he decides, you know what, I'm going to listen back to some and see what they've been saying, and he hears this, he's not going to come near he us is. with a barge pole. He is, because, because I'm he's going, going to, to sort him out. You're going to verbally molest him. No, I don't want to know how podcast. you're going to sort him out. I no. really don't want to know no. how <laughs> you're going to sort him no. out. Please don't let me finish. No, I am going to expand because it looks bad on me now. I'm going to sort him out with a pair of Tariq Wool and Viagra boxes, officially like merchant. Like I'm going to if he if he ever comes on, oh, I can get those designed and printed for you. See, just FYI, there you are. There you are pairs. Right, I told, you not, to, I told you not to experiment. I told you not to expand on it. Let's, let's just stop. Well, I think I've cleared the air. This I, is I, turning into some weird kinky. It is. It's, yeah. it's not even me lowering the tone. I'm. I'm. I feel completely vindicated in saying right. it wasn't always me. Now, right before James just spontaneously combusts on the pod, <laughs> just, I'm going to move. Pure on. friction, mate. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> You're meant right. to be the granddad. You're meant to be the one who's censoring this shit. Right. I am, mate. Right. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. <laughs> You, your your leadership, James, is under question. No, I'm taking oh. over. Oh, is it? <laughs> I'm going to move on to Kobe Bryant because even though I think there was a play what he gave up down the centre, mm. I said it on the last pod, something that I've noticed with him is he, with experience, and like I said, I, I, I get the feeling of him that he's like, He's a confidence, nervous, anxious kind of guy. He did the picking thing, but then after that, he made plays, learned, adapted. He did the Judy thing. After that, he made plays and back-to-back, like sack, like heavy sack, and then punching, peanut button the ball. Peanut button? Uh, peanut, peanut button. button. Yeah. Peanut, peanut button. Fuck it. Yeah. Peanut, <laughs> peanut button. Peanut button the ball out. Um, peanut punching the like, ball oh, out. He just, <laughs> he just like get. He just learns, adapts, and gets better and stronger. Mm. Now, I had a thought in my head. I was like, "Why is he not on the outside?" I said to you guys because I watched the highlights back because um, uh, I was out when the game was on, and I said, "Has Kobe been on the outside yet?" Because M- Michael Jackson's winding me up. He, he brings a nice aggressiveness into tackling if he's not getting flagged constantly. I think it's three games in a row he's had a flag for um, for pass interference. Yeah. It's not good enough. I don't I don't care what anyone says. That ne- neglect negates any positive in my eyes. He's draping over. He's getting done constantly and draping all over guys. He's not good enough, and I think they know he's not good enough. But there is no one else to replace him. So I, I've been screaming. I've been like, I want to see Kobe outside. He's not a slot receiver. He's not a slot corner. He isn't one. He's an outside corner. And I was like, why the f are they not doing this? To then listen to the man to man, Mike Dugar actually explained it because someone asked the question in his pod, and he said, "You move Kobe to the outside, then they've got no slot corner because mm-hmm. they've got." They've got Justin Coleman, who's not back yet. But then Justin Coleman comes back. Then you move him on the outside. You've got no backup to the slot. He said, even though Kobe should, 
Like Kobe, in my opinion, should be on the outside. He's made two decent plays. He's been looking a lot better. Good tackler <clears throat> over these last two games. He needs to be moved on the outside. I'm just so worried that Pete, because he's made, he, he did that corner blitz and punched the ball out, that that's enough for Pete to say he's going to stay in the slot and it's going to suffocate his growth and talent like he's done with many a players before. Not like he's not a culprit of doing that. Whereas I just think now he's got his confidence up. You can see it in his play. Get him on the outside. Let's see what he can do. Surely Mike, Michael Jackson, if he can transition to slot, why can't Michael Jackson just rotate, go into the slot? When Trey Brown comes back, the smaller, stockier, aggressive tackling guy, surely he could help in the slot to help that safeties pairing out, solidify three-way across the middle, get Kobe on the outside. Like, it, 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 it's kind of frustrating, but then with what Mike Dugar said, it kind of makes sense. So you, I can kind yeah. of like get my annoyance down a notch by being like, I, from that point of view, I totally get it. Like they yeah. just don't have, they don't. But then, but then it highlights again how thin are we? Mm. How oh, very? How thin are we? I, I understand. Artie Burns went out and he looked good in training camp. Trey Brown apparently was meant to be back. He's not back yet. Sidney Jones is like up and down. He's kind of like fallen off a cliff compared to where he finished last year. And it's like. How like it's scary how thin we are. It's gonna be pill. it's gonna be Trey Brown coming back. I think healthy. Then potentially you you maybe make a change maybe with Kobe. But with what you're saying there, Pez potentially that could affect that. Um, but at mm. this point, at this point, yeah, we're we're incredibly thin at certain positions. Um, and before and, we, sorry, sorry, Pez. just on the defense, I wanted to put something to you guys. Um, a thought I've had on this defense and why it's doing as bad as it's doing. So, obviously, Pete's the defensive guru. The way this defence is shaped up over the last four years, he, he deserves his job questioning just on that alone. It's a repeat, don't matter who you put in place, don't matter who you bring in. It's the same things we're seeing. Same things. So, that side note there, Pete should really be in question for what the fuck is happening with this defence. But then, I looked at it and I thought, to get off the Pete bashing train. From the coaching element, you've got Pete Carroll, who we all know now loves it his way. Who then, whether he did it or he didn't do it, Sean Desai came in, who's a defensive-minded guy, who's his assistant head coach. Then he brought in Carl Scott, who's a defensive coach. Are we seeing a mix of three strong-minded, defensive-minded coaches who all want their opinions and their ideas put onto the field, all mixing. So Carl Scott and Desai are like, I'd really like to see this, I'd really like to see that, I'd really like to see this. Giving it to Pete, and Pete's gone, yeah, but I want to do it my way. And he's kind of like made a shit show of the plan. And that's the product we're seeing on the field. Because sometimes in that Niners game and that Falcons game, it literally looked like the defense had no assignment and they were just all free balling it. They, they were a bit like, for any U, UK listeners or anyone who watches our football, is a bit like 
Leeds United, when Marco Bielsa was in charge, when no one had a set position, they all just ran around the pitch constantly all game. Mm. It's it's like conflicting ideologies, isn't it? Mm. So it's like, I want to play this this way. Well, I, I run this group and I want to play it that way. And I run this group, so I want to play it this way. And unfortunately, the way they play doesn't blend. It's just kind of like, is. Like, if, if it was that play in a different defensive scheme, might be exceptional. But in this scheme, it's like, there's there's no overlapping coverage. There's no synchronicity. Um. It's just it, it it doesn't work. There needs to be, and I I, I don't. And I, I've said this before. I think Pete has loosened the reins quite a bit, but I think the issue comes in mainly Sean Desai, as he was he assistant head coach or whatever he is, hmm. having his defensive philosophy, and then Clint Hurt being a first time DC. One of those two has to have the ascendancy. One of those two has to sit above the other. Now, at the moment, if it's a power struggle, Pete needs to step in and go, Clint, you're the DC, but the philosophy belongs to Desai. So if he Desai says, this is what I want, you go and implement it. Or if he goes the other way and then Pete goes, Sean, Clint is the DC. It's his defence. He will say how it is to be run. We've already moved to a 3-4. Fine. If he tells you he wants his cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers to work a certain way, then that has to be incorporated into it. At the moment, I don't see that. I, um, I, I see behind that veil, there's probably a bit of a power struggle and a bit of this is how I want to do this. I do it this way. This is how we do this. I'll train these guys this way. You do yours that way. And then we'll make it all work together. And it's just not working. How, how I see it is it's... Uh... Out of your two options, it's option two for me because let's face it, Clint Hurt is a peak guy. So if the, if it became a thing like that, he's always going to let Clint do it because Clint, literally, he, he he's just like he's just another Ken Norton. He's just, in my opinion, he's just another Ken Norton. He's literally just the body for Pete Carroll. Is he is he a peak guy though? Because he was brought in from was he the Bears beforehand? Now Ken Norton's worked with Pete for years, but he is the epitome of a peak guy. Mm. But Clint Hurt was brought in as the D line coach from Chicago, and he's worked his way up there. Like I I don't imagine having listened to enough interviews with Clint Hurt because I find the guy fascinating. The guy's an absolute beast. He's a unit. He's not the type of guy you want to mess with, but he's also got that that nice airy side to him where he's really approachable. Like, don't get me wrong, would not lock with him. No. But would happily go for a beer with him because he seems yes. really nice. Like, I I think it's a matter of he's one P over with his defensive philosophy by saying let's move from 4-3 to 3-4. No, 3-4 with a lot of 4-3 and some better fronts, fine. Mm. But I think it's more with him having that but Sean Desai has been brought in, and this is what I believe and what everyone else has been saying. Sean Desai has been brought in with this grandiose title because he is the head coach in waiting. <laughs> if anything, it'll be a matter of Clint Hurt will do what he wants but has to consult with Desai. Desai will then consult with Pete. That, I think, is the chain of command there. Because at the end of the day, it, when Pete goes, if they brought Desai in to take over from him, 
he then moves to the top of the tree. Because let's face it, Waldron's off doing his own thing and it's successful. But at the moment, Clint is desperate trying to piece this together with Desai there saying, like, this is how it should be run. This is how we want it to be run. And they run these things together, supposedly working in a tandem, but it's definitely not. I think the level is sort of Clint a bit below him because at some point it's going to be Clint, DC, Desai, head coach. That's how I view it anyway. I'd love it to be the way around because I think Clint deserves more power because he's earned it. But I, I generally think that's how it's worked. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point, and it, it's uh, one to keep an eye on certainly over the next couple of weeks and, and the rest of the season. Um, before we finish with positive pairs, Josh, do you want to have a quick shout out to some of our sponsors? Before I do that, can we just mention that DK Metcalf got carted off the field to have a poop? Yeah, don't ever do that I, again. Like he's saying that he had no intention of being carted off. They 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 brought the cart on for him. Um, if that's how if that's how you're going to go for a poo, fair play. You know, if someone drove me to the toilet every time, I won't complain. I personally think he sharted and needed the cart. Mm. But that's pure I mean, speculation. Per- DK, don't put me down on social media. Personally, I've never needed to use the loo that bad it's been added to an injury report. <laughs> you know what I mean? It must, that must have been a monster. That must have been an absolute snake. Yeah. Like, but, it must have but, destroyed the porcelain there. <laughs> but if he came back out and he was like five pounds lighter... I ain't gonna whinge. Hey, 149 yards. But that must have been it, it worked. It worked. It worked. You know, I'd love to see what his like his yardage was before the poop and after. Yes. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna research it and then I'm gonna put it on Insta and uh, on Insta and Twitter just so people can see. Um, but yeah, just a quick shout out to our sponsors. So uh, there's two now. You know, we have Fanatics. So for anyone who doesn't know, we've partnered up with Fanatics. Um, we will be telling you all about their latest um, offers and discount codes on both their international, so European and their US site, currently on the international site. So you can use this as fanatics.co.uk. They have got up to 65% off if you use the code KICKOFF. That's K-I-C-K-O-F-F. And on the US site, they've got up to 65% off if you use the code Apple A-double-P-L-E. Obviously, exclusions do apply. Things like the new salute to service. They're not going to give you a discount on that because it's brand new and it looks gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And also, thank you for our longest standing supporter and sponsor, Blessed CBD. Uh, Blessed CBD offering full and broad spectrum CBDs to people throughout the, the world. So they do the US, Europe, the UK. They are a UK-based family-run company. They offer tinctures they offer capsules they offer lotions they offer anything that you could possibly need fantastic faq section all you need to do to help support the pod if you want to blessedcbd.co.uk when you've selected what you want by all means feel free to tweet us and ask us any questions and um, we'll be happy to answer um if you come to if you come to us and ask for me i'll happily guide you through my journey with it but if you go there you go to blessedcbd.co.uk select what you want and then use code Seahawk, that's S-E-A-H-A-W-K at checkout, you will get 10% off. Go and do it. And, and, and a massive thank you. Massive thank you to everyone who has already helped out the podcast through our sponsorship. So, um, right. Positive pairs. Positive, positive pairs. What are you positive about this week? Come on then, pause. Come on then, positive Have pairs. Have been there? Nice. And... We're going to uh, we're gonna keep on the overly positive train yes. and I'm going to say that do we know if Jameis Winston's back yet or not? Uh, I believe he don't is know. but don't quote me on that 
because my fear him, I need Jameis Winston back. Why? Someone you someone Tariq Wallen can get at least one more interception. <laughs> oh, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so if Jameis Winston is back in this game, he um, loves throwing it around the field. Mm. Well-known fact about uh, Jameis uh, Winston. Yeah. So I'm going to predict that Tariq Wallen is going to be up against Chris Olave a lot, the deep mm-hmm. threat. Mm-hmm. He's going to match him across the field, speed for speed, two interceptions. Ooh. Don't know what he'll do with them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, hey, I think, you, you. I think I've got. I was thinking I've got to make this James friendly so he doesn't kibosh my own oh, please, segment. Please, for the love of God, anyone but listening no, on Spotify, I think, just go go and watch it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, please don't. Well, do Cullen, yeah, but not that bit. If James starts throwing deep balls. Deep bombs. Yeah. I think Tariq Wallen's going to get himself two interceptions in this game. Oh. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go positive on the defense because obviously they've been. Because it's be worse than it was last week. I think, yeah, I think they're gonna. It's not going to be perfect, but they're going to be a lot tighter. They're gonna, they're going to be a lot more switched on in this game. Realize the changing danger in the team get things tightened up a little bit and then on offense i'm going to stick with these running backs and i'm going to say that rashad penny is going to go for 80 between 80 and 110 yards okay do you know why he's going to go for that no because they're going to get de-escorging more it's going to be a stuttering offense to start with and what we've been saying, because they listen to our podcast. Yeah, obviously. The <laughs> Eskridge is, is going to become the speed threat. I like it. Around the edge. It's, it's like going to become it. a speed threat. And Penny's going to go off. And I'm going to hold off on my Ken Walker breakout. Good lad. Good lad. You just it's keep coming, that. It's no, coming, though. It's coming. It's coming. Right. I've got a special game for that one. Okay. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm waiting with anticipation. Quick fire score predictions then to end the pod for the Saints this week. What oh, do you think? God, we were miles off last time. Yes, um, we were. Pez, you go first, or James, you go first. Some right. Try some maths. So I'm going to say, I, I'm, I'm still in positive Pesmo, so I'm saying win straight away. But mm-hmm. I think, I think it's going to be the same as last year. It's gonna be a lot more cagey affair, but do you know? Do you know what? I I'm actually gonna say we're gonna win this game. Okay. Do you know why? Because last year, the teams are pretty much the same, mm-hmm. but they've got they've got Chris Olave. We've got Tyree. Well, we've got Tyree. And they've Wall. now got they've now got the Honey Badger as a as their safety. What's Not he really as good as he used to be. What, what what's he done this year? Yeah, washed. he picked the ball off. Was it, did he ever pick the last game? But touch wood. So what's the score <laughs> prediction then, Pez? No. What's, what's the score line? It's going to be tight again. But my, my the, the the thing what sways me with it is my positive Pez with the D D tightening up just enough and Gino compare Gino against the Saints last year to this year. What we said last year was he didn't have enough to get him over the line, but I think this year he's going to have enough just to creep him over the line. And I think it's going to be a cagey affair, and I think it's going to be 
like a 2017 game, if you can get that score. Okay, 2017 for Pez. Josh, what are you yeah. thinking? Either way, either way, even though obviously Bayesley Seahawks, either way, I think that's the score. It's just going to be within three. Okay. One score game. Yeah. What are you thinking, Josh? Um, 21-27 to New Orleans. Okay. Um, I reckon it's going to be one passing TD apiece and two running TDs apiece. One field goal for us and two field goals for them. Okay. Well, I'm thinking along the same lines as Pez. And, uh, oh, my, sorry, my... sorry. Scrap that. So, sorry. 24-27 with the one field goal for us. Oh, no. You've nicked my... That's exactly what mine was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I couldn't read my own writing. And oh. I wrote down what I thought people were going to score. And I went... I literally, as I said it, I was like, yeah, 21-27. And then I read it again and went, where's that field goal coming in? It's 24. Yeah, 24. Right. Well, I was going to say 24-27 Seahawks as well. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick with it. And, and me and Josh are on the same way back then. So I'm happy with that. Uh, we'll, we'll go down on that ship together inevitably. Um, but... Thank you all, as always, for listening and tuning into the We Talk Seahawks podcast in association with the Full 10 Yards Network. Uh, please do head over to our social media accounts and follow us on there. Just search We Talk Seahawks across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. We will be on there and waiting for you. And uh, and yeah, man, let's let's hopefully look forward to, to going three and two this weekend. Everyone needs to remember the whole NFC West two and two. It is. Wide open. So as long as we keep on scraping, as long as the yeah. Rams keep playing shite and the Cardinals, <laughs> Kyle and Murray keep keep cardling. <laughs> but no, thank you all very much for listening and uh, and go Hawks, man. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.